Johnny, the sound of this empty glass right here means that I'm out of beer at home and I need to go somewhere. And I want a beer that's both tasty and affordable. And it's like four in the afternoon right now. Where can I go? Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Best happy hour in town. Seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get $1 off any of their most amazing 28 craft beer offerings. Delicious food, half off bottles of wine, lovely patio. The choice is clear. There's only one, and it's the handlebar. Again, that's 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico. Seven days a week. Happy hour, everybody. 2 to 6 p.m., a dollar off all the beers. Go check them out. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome again to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a discussion about craft beer and film based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Welcome to the program. This week on our show, our thoughts on West Side Story and Drive My Car. The first, of course, the Steven Spielberg adaptation of the 1961 classical musical, the latter, a film from Japanese director Ryosuke Hamaguchi about a theater director who must cope with his wife's unexpected passing when he receives an offer to direct a production of Chekhov's Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. I hear you thinking, what do these have in common? I'll tell you, they're both the only films to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture that Johnny and I haven't covered on this podcast. And beers this week come from Burning Barrel Brewing Company out of Rancho Cordova, California. The first is Cookies and Cream Double Jammer Pastry Sour at 6.9%. And the second is Invasion of the Dankness Imperial IPA at 8.5%. I got to say briefly, I, I know for a fact, like we cover a lot of different beer styles and a lot of them just keep coming up. We've covered hundreds probably of Imperial IPAs maybe one other pastry sour. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, when I read that description of this, I cookies and cream double jammer. I'm just, I have no idea what that's going to be like. I'm really excited for that. It's actually got Oreos in it, but we'll get to that. Yeah. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a great Thursday evening, but unfortunately you won't be hearing this episode in its entirety. You're only going to get the first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of West Side Story. But if you want to hear the full conversation, which includes spoilers for West Side Story, a review of the second beer, our complete thoughts on Drive My Car, and Hot and Bothered, where could we go? We could go over to Spotify, or over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any little mom-and-pop podcast server you can think of. Uh, our episodes are probably there. We put them out every single Friday morning at 7 a.m. So if you do like the show, you can head over to any of those, um, particularly Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star rating and or a review that really helps other people find our show. For all of our other social media needs, you can follow the show on Instagram for photos, uh, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews, all at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or you can just head to our website, freshhopcinema.com, for all that in one tasty little delicious nugget of a place. That's right. And if you want to give us money because it makes us smarter and helps us put out great content, sure. you should check out patreon.com freshhop slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, nice. There's a slash. You, just, you almost never get that right, by the I way. I don't care. <laughs> <It's literally Yeah. laughs> Patreon yeah. slash freshhopcinema.net. Sure. Uh, .gov, I Love think, it. actually. Yeah, yeah. we're government-sponsored. Mm, CIA. Anyways, yeah, that's where you can give us some of your hard-earned gold and turn it directly into consumable ear content where you're going to get bonus reviews of movies, beers, top five lists, pretty much whatever we feel like recording sometimes. It's, yes. it's a wild and crazy time. Also, you're going to get access to... The first run of any merch that we do, our patrons get some really cool goodies hooked up, sometimes yep. delivered to their door. Also, the events are ridiculous, outlandish, always entertaining, usually pretty drunk. 
pretty fun. Yeah. We've gone to the movies. There's bar hangs. It's it's quite a little community that we've we've generated. We're basically starting a cult. Yeah. I'm going to also like tag this because and I'm not talking about this more on Hot and Bothered, I realized. But maybe you've been on Patreon for a while and and or you've heard like if you're listening in like your friends who are on our Patreon are like, it's a great show. Love supporting it. But man, man, is their bonus content hard to find and hard to listen to. No longer, my friends, because we have a dedicated page on our website that I've spent much too much time working on this week, and it's all in one place. You can search it by category, like the top fives you mentioned, the beer reviews, the movie reviews. It's all there, and I've spent too much time working on it, but slowly but surely, I'm backlogging everything, so it's all in one happy password-protected place on our website, so it's it's very digestible and accessible. It's so user-friendly. Even Nick Land can use it. Hey-o, uh, shout-out slash insults. I'm not sure if I'd even want that shout-out, but fair enough. <laughs> Um, I think that's it for Patreon. You got anything else that you want to talk about there specifically? Give us your gold. It makes us smarter. With all of our housekeeping out of the way, then let's get into this first very strange sounding beer. And you, you picked these out, yes? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm asking. I know the <laughs> Did you? I don't remember. Um, to be fair, we've been off the air for about a week, so it's it's possible I forgot. But uh, no, I know you picked these out. I know they're from Burning Barrel, um, which is out of Rancho Cordova. And that's about all I know about our beers today. So tell me more about the first one. Yeah, both the beers this week were picked up at Curtis Park Market in Sacramento. Uh, they don't sponsor the show, but I like buying beer there. They're, sure. they're nice people. Keenan's a nice guy. Uh, and they have a great selection. So... That being said, the first beer is called Cookies and Cream Double Jammer from Burning Barrel, as you said, in Rancho Cordova. It is a pastry sour at 6.9%. From the website, we read, grab a cookie, a glass of milk, and get ready to stuff your face with a mouthful of deliciousness. Lick and Dip Double Jammer is the perfect nightcap that oozes with all the flavor your taste buds could desire. We started this one off with a behemoth amount of fresh strawberries and delectable blueberries to get some fresh fruit, body, and sweetness, and then topped it off with way too much of your favorite black and white cookies. Mm -hmm. The nose provides a fruity, chocolatey crumble profile and then finishes with the perfect level of marshmallowy creaminess. So we've both poured this beer, and right now it's all I can smell. Can we talk visuals? It's one of the prettiest beers I've ever seen. It's not what I expected. I don't know what I expected. I guess I expected something darker. And by darker, I mean, I guess blacker. Because what I'm looking at is more of a plum. Like, like yeah. And I know you just smelled it and I smelled the same thing. Their descriptions on point. But wh- what color is this? It's it's like a deep red magenta purple kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like a, a viscerally just pretty. If a color could be pungent. Man, that is like a just, whoa throwing stuff it's yep. fine um yeah deep deep reddish purple like like yeah. a fine mold wine totally it's very 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 um hard to see through super dark if you hold it up to the light i'm still like you get a little light through the top there's very little head left on mine just a little bit of ring around the edges this so let's, yeah let's talk about how it smells because it looks so like oh good it looks like it would smell like like a fruit like a total totally straight up fruity sour yeah and it it doesn't I it's, thought maybe they were exaggerating with uh, they said on in the description you read um, the nose provides a fruity chocolate crumble profile which like I'm gonna take another sniff before I even taste it but that smells like Oreos to me am I tripping out no or it's like, the same it's like Oreos if you put jelly on top of them this is so wow. I don't know if I should drink it or smell it or like try and make a candle that smells like this. I was this. just thinking that. I was really impressed by their website, by the way, by Burning Barrel's website. They have a really, really thorough catalog of beers that I believe it was beers they've done in the past or possibly offer currently, but a, a very, very wide variety of styles and some things that push the envelope a little bit in terms of uh, uh, traditional beer uh, styles. They get wild. You've tasted it. So first impressions late on you. I don't actually don't know how to read what your face is doing. I think it's happy. I'm freaking out, man. Okay, tell me more. This is so good. 
This is unlike anything I've ever had before. That tastes like Oreos and fruit. Like I'm, my mind is like in a pretzel right now. Yeah. I've tried it too. It is unlike anything I've had. I'm with you there. There's, you're right. It's both of those things. There's, there's, a, there's more tartness than I expected based on your, your reaction, but it is predominantly not a chocolate covered strawberry. That's, that's too rich. Mm -hmm. This is more, this is more bouncy and lively and, and art, not artificial in a bad way, but like an Oreo doesn't taste like chocolate. I don't know that anybody's going to argue like that. You know, I'm craving a good fud, like a really quality fudge, but I'll settle for an Oreo. It's like, they're not an Oreo is its own thing. Yeah. And the particular artificiality of the sweetness in this is, is a that. dead ringer for an Oreo. Mm -hmm. and, and I think I might, I'm going to take another drink, but the issue I might take is with the artificiality of some of the fruit flavors I'm getting. Mm. I don't dislike them, but they do lack a sense of genuine presentation that the Oreo flavors do not. Hmm. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It has a, almost like a, a mixed berry gummy candy like vibe sure. to it, uh, which I'm not opposed to, but yeah. If they're, you're saying it has fresh fruit in it, it, it definitely, I don't know, blueberries, like ripe blueberries really like muddle a flavor and like not in a bad way, but like, yeah. like it's that flavor of overripe or really ripe strawberries. It's a squishy, yeah. jammy, yes. not super sweet, almost like it's hard to say that ripe blueberries are savory, but if you've had a really ripe blueberry, you know what I'm talking there's, about. Yeah, it's almost. I think it's almost a texture thing too, which is yeah. hard to translate into beer. But it's, but there's it's it's that it's that mushy sweetness. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, so I I think you're saying that's what you're getting in this, or that's what you're lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're getting it. I think that's kind of mixing with the strawberry and making it a little artificial. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. It's it's a very very weird flavor combination. I super dig it. Like my mouth was just immediately like. Cannot does not compute whatever. Yeah. So I'm actually having to take more drinks than uh, is typical on the show for me to really wrap my my palate around this. But I'm I'm digging what I'm trying. I've had maybe maybe I don't know two ounces of this so far, maybe three. Uh, super weird trying to process what I'm going through. I mean, it's kind of it's hard to process, but it's also exactly as advertised. It's a smoothie sour with strawberries, blueberries, and Oreos. You know, and they they nailed all those flavors pretty accurate. Like the the marshmallowy finish that they were speaking of tastes exactly like Oreo filling. Yeah, there's there's a lot of times in the show where you and I will say things like, "If we hadn't read that in the description, I don't know that I would have pinpointed that flavor." <laughs> this isn't one of those. I times. would have written this exact description, right? If I had just tried this beer, it's, that in itself is a huge testament, right? It's at it's least an be. advertising testament because you could say the same thing about a trashy, disgusting beer. But if it's if it's as advertised, but in this case, I think it's as advertised, and I happen to subjectively really like these flavors. Yeah, which surprised me because I don't even like the combination of chocolate and fruit most of the time. I think it's kind of gross. Uh, but I've never, you know, I've never dipped an Oreo in strawberry jam, which is. Darn close to what I'm tasting here. Yeah, it's jam is the right word. It's got that overwhelming that jamminess. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's that it's it's the um, like smuckers. It's not fermented, but yeah, you no. know, very concentrated sugary uh, body thing like, going. I have a jar of strawberry preserves, mm -hmm. like Smucker's strawberry preserves, and that's what this tastes like. And I'm imagining yes. if you just put strawberry preserves on top of an Oreo and then ate it, yeah, and then it would get you intoxicated. That's a, this beer. That's a good day is what it is. It is. Uh, I think this just turned into a good day because I think I really like this beer. 
It's so yeah. unique. It's one of the most unique beers I think we've ever done on this show. I think so too. I'm going to also give a shout out to the can design. It's obviously a very um, attractive can. There's lots of, it's a blue all the way around, reds and blacks popping out. There's a milkshake on the front with an Oreo on the top and some strawberries and blueberries also. But what really is striking my attention in terms of their attention to detail here is that the wraparound logo actually has cutouts that look like there's uh, it's dripping. dripping but the dripping is actually just negative space where the can is showing through. Super clever. And that's much more expensive to print. I don't I don't know that that matters a ton to to me, but it, it shows a certain attention to detail and care about their craft that I find very endearing. Yeah, they're going to take that extra step and spend the extra yes. money just for aesthetics because they know, like I preach on this show. People buy the label. People buy a label. Your eyes always eat first, no matter what. So this label, I gravitated towards it immediately, as well as our second beer, which we'll get into oh, yeah, later. Yeah, okay. Uh, and if you're just listening on KZFR, it's a label completely inspired by the Tim Burton film Mars Attacks. Heck yeah. Cool. So yeah, for sure, check out the rest of the podcast and hear our review on that. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm my mind was so confused, but then yeah. it kind of just accepted it. Like these flavors, like you said, do not compute just on yeah. a quick, you know, first glance and first taste, but then... You kind of lean into it and you're like, all right, this is weird. This is silly. This is wild. Uh, but I'm loving it. I feel like if we poured the whole thing out, there would just be chunks of just cookies at the Oreo yeah. floating in the bottom. But it's super desserty. This is something after dinner, like instead of an aperitif or like a port wine, sure. you could substitute this and then have something really intriguing to talk about because yes. this beer is, is 10 different shades of unique. And if you're not familiar with Burning Barrel and they're outlandish styles i've been there and i've had a oh, bunch okay, of them cool. on draft it's like right off what's that freeway that goes right out of sac east like is it the 50 50 it's like yeah. right off the 50 right mm -hmm. give or take at yeah. least one of their tap rooms. I've, I've driven by it a bunch of times for, mm -hmm. for performances yeah no and it's it's the way that they're making beer it's, it's a completely different approach they're doing all they specialize in this style of smoothie sours and so i'm not surprised that this one's delicious uh, i went there and the things that really left me wanting were actually their quote-unquote beer flavored beers so I'm very on board for the style that they're doing. And I love that a lot of these beers, these smoothie style sours that they're doing actually, and the pastry sours. Yeah, which I think that's is, the distinction. Yeah. Um, is this, is that's this style. Correct. Um, a lot of them didn't have lactose. And they were very, you love that. They were very keen on listing their ingredients on their chalkboard at the, the tap room. So that's something that I find endearing. But this beer, man, yeah, it's so wild, it's so out there. I think I love it. What What do you think? I, I will tell you in just a sec, but I, that that gave me an idea to, to talk about briefly, which is there's, I think there's a degree amongst a certain type of craft beer drinker of having to earn it in terms of um, pushing the envelope on, on beer styles. Yeah. A pastry sour is in, in, in the timeline of craft beer, a very young style. Mm -hmm. And I think there's two schools of, there's maybe three. Some people are just like, don't do this. This is a terrible choice. Beers are, they taste like IPAs or lagers or whatever. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't fall into that camp. Neither do you. There's there's another school of thought, which is like, okay, if you're going to do something this outlandish and weird, you need to earn it. You have to do it right. And then and then I think the more liberal, the, the most liberal version of these three thinking patterns is like, no, try it. Try new stuff. Innovation is where it's at. And if enough people try new stuff, we'll get the birth of a new style. And I'm, I'm more in that camp. Fortunately, because because I think there's a lot of bad beers in 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 the world in craft beer, we've drank a lot of. There's them. A, yeah, there's a lot of misses, and not everything can be good. Not even most things can be good, mm -hmm. much less great or perfect. So the fact that we are getting 
something of a pioneering style in front of us that is also really well done, I think is amazing. I've never had anything from this brewery. So this is my first impression. What a first impression. I'm very, very impressed. So uh, yeah, dude, I love it to answer your question. I think it's great. I I, I like it on a lot of fronts. One, the innovation. Two, the fact that it's combining flavors that I had previously thought I would not like together and it's won me over. Um, And three, it's a beer, which is cool. Like I would drink this just as a... I don't know if it'd be a juice. It'd be a weird juice. But like I'd have this as a pleasantly refreshing beverage, weirdly enough, but it's also rich and big. And the fact that it's like, if I wanted to get a little buzz from a thing, I could drink this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very, very good. I think it's a win. It's a big win. This brewery is doing some really cool things. Yeah. Uh, and I will be honest, some of the things that they did, I did not like. Mm. I mean, the smoothie sours, some of the flavors were just too the over smoothie the smoothie sours or the pastry sours? Pastry sours. We need to work on what the distinction is there. I think pastry has dessert elements in it. I think that's always been the definition. So and a smoothie sour lacks fruit. any of that. Yeah, just fruit. more fruit, that's what I think fruit forward. Yeah. So this one has, you know, by default, it has the cookies in it. So it, it ventures into pastry sour. I'm offended that they're considering that cookies are just a dessert food. I had a cookie for breakfast the other day. Anything's breakfast food if you eat it in the morning. That's true. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but I think for the for the purposes of our definition, you're probably correct. Traditionally speaking, right. yes. <laughs> Either, yeah. Well, you know, something pastry-esque. Sure. Like a, yeah. a donut or Dessert. a, you know, a glazed yeah. something or other. Donut. Pecan, yeah. maybe. Sure. I don't know. Uh, but I'm with you. Yeah, so pastry sours, you were saying it, something about that. Um, this is great. It's so – and what's great is it's so surprising. Uh, and you were saying how great it is to have something like this that's pioneering and so well-made. And I'll add even more onto that, having it be made locally. Yeah, and yeah, again, and like for people that aren't familiar with California, like I think I don't know, the farther you go east from California, the the smaller the perception of California becomes. Like I think if you're in Nevada, like you know there's like northern and southern California, like the Central Valley. It's pretty big. But if you're like in the Midwest or something, it's like California's like surfer, bro. It's like we're so we're in northern California. And California's so big that for us to say Rancho Cordova is local, it's still like an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Um, which is the time it takes to drive across some states. But I think you're right in considering this local. Like mm-hmm. It's Northern California, so yes, fair enough. Yeah, it's the closest big city to us. Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all kind of that area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely when to have something this local be this good and in our markets. Well, it's time to put our ratings where our mouths are, Okay, <laughs> young Maxwell. Sure. Uh, out of 10, dude, I'm very, very pleased with this. I'm going to give it a solid, a solid nine. Ooh, baby. And partially, yeah, partially that's categorical. I don't have a ton of of examples of this style of beer to compare it to. But but even outside of that, I think for my own rating scale, it's fairly objective. This is a great beer that I would happily reach for over some other styles. Like it, there's there's not a situation where in any case or in every case, an IPA would win over this. This would beat some other styles. So objectively as a beer for me, it's very good. What about you out of 10? Out of 10, this feels like an 8.4 for me all day. It's a big High rating. Marks, it's a big, big score for me. You know I don't like to go over 8. <laughs> you don't, um, yeah. I did drive for this. You did. I would drive for this again. Okay. This is something that if I saw in cans, I'd buy a four-pack of because it's so unique. It's something I want to show other people. I wish I had bought more than one. Yeah. And the fact that I'm saying all those things, that's the by default, it improves the rating because yeah. I immediately want more of it. I want to show this to more people. One, because it is a novelty, and novelty in itself only carries you so far when it comes to a beer, but it is a novelty that it is absolutely delicious. Like, it crushes all the notes I want it to. Yeah. And it, like you said so many times, it's flavors that shouldn't go together, that don't belong Not in beer me, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a confusing thing for your brain, but a, a very pleasant effect on your mouth. 
Yeah. So big fan of the spear. And I love that this was your very first impression of this brewery. Excellent. What a way to start an episode. I know, dude. The other thing I want to point out, and it's the first time I've actually rotated the can towards me and spent some time looking at it, is that it does say, so it says Double Jammer, which is the name of the beer, and at the bottom it says Cookies and Cream Smoothie Sour, not Pastry Sour. Okay. So maybe we'll do some more research and not just kind of talk off of our instincts as we go on here. But I think for the meantime, uh, we put this baby to bed. Again, Cookies and Cream Double Jammer for you is an 8.4 for me. It's a 9. Uh, very high marks. And again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema maybe on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try this beer, Double Jammer from Burning Barrel, we do want to know what you think. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And while you're at it, take a picture of yourself drinking it sure. and tag us on your social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Or if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Coming up next is a trailer for the first movie this week, West Side Story. But don't worry, no spoilers in the next segment. Tonight, tonight, the world is full of light. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life at home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. You're not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm gonna think for myself. Tony, we need you if we're going to war. Who are you? Friend or foe? If you go with him, no one will ever forgive you. Life matters even more than love. All right, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Of course, we're a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, which I only need to tell you if you are listening on KZFR 90.1 FM. We are also a podcast to which you uh, can subscribe. Uh, You just search Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can find podcasts to hear our discussion today in its entirety. It's going to be available in all major podcast feeds at the tip of your ears tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of me and and that guy's husky voice over there, there's plenty more to digest. And what you just heard again was a trailer for West Side Story. Love it for strikes. I love it. Keep <laughs> going. That's- love at first sight. <laughs> strikes. When young Tony, played by Ansel Elgort, spots Maria, played by Rachel Zegler, at a high school dance in 1957 New York, 
Their burgeoning romance helps to fuel the fire between the warring jets and sharks. Those aren't sports teams. Those are two rival gangs vying for control of these streets. It literally did not occur to me that those are also sports teams. Like, because they are, right? Oh, yeah. Like, in multiple sports, probably. Uh-huh. Never even while I watched this, did that cross my mind. Um, this is directed by Steven Spielberg with the screenplay by Tony Kushner. Uh, we'll give some more shout-outs here. Cinematography by Janusz Kaminski. Edited by Michael Kahn and Sarah Brosher with music, which uh, we will, I will at least spend some time talking about, by Leonard Bernstein. It runs two hours, 36 minutes long. It had wide release um, in, in, in most major cities and even some. We got it here in Chico for a little bit on December 10th. 2021 before hitting uh, HBO Max in early March. Johnny, like you said, Ansel Elgort plays Tony. Rachel Zegler plays Maria. The two find each other, fall in love. They're from different walks of life, and and their friends and family members are of different street gangs. And we've got people like Ariana DeBose in this, David Alvarez, Mike Face, Rita Moreno. Uh, the list goes on and on, and we can talk about some of those in a bit. But I, I also don't think we really need to rehash the plot of West Side Story in terms of it changing much from the original aside from some extra characters and some modernizations here and there the story is basically the same so since we're going to be sort of on limited time for our radio listeners i say we get straight into the meat of uh, our thoughts of this yeah and since it's been a while since we've covered a musical should we preface this with your instinct and, and your predilection towards musicals yeah you don't like them t- typically you did like tick tick boom which is the last one we covered which made me very happy prior to that you're not a huge fan so where did you fall with West Side Story? Oh, I disliked it immensely. You dis not even okay. Nope. Great. All right. Well, expound, please. Nope. Yeah. It, so I tried to watch it objectively as a fan of cinema. Sure. And so many times, like throughout musicals, I all my my number one question is why is this song here and what's it doing for the plot? Fair question. And I think an effective and well-made musical or a musical that's been turned into a movie, or a movie that was made as a musical, mm-hmm. all of the songs are devices in the plot, and they help advance it in some way and get us from A to B. And a lot of the songs in this, I thought, really were just singing and dancing just to sing and dance, because nestled inside of this musical was a fairly engaging drama. I mean, you were dealing with the racism of the 1950s and and the clash of cultures between Puerto Ricans and and quote unquote native New Yorkers. Right, right. Like, I mean, sure. and it's not something that we really need to bring to light that there was racism in the fifties. It felt like it wasn't saying much new. Uh, some of the songs were, there was one song in particular in the church that I really liked uh, between our two main characters, the oh, two lovers. Yes. Um, but by and large, I found that the songs were a bit tertiary and didn't give me things that added to the movie. And that doesn't help when I'm going into a, a film thinking that it's going to just be silly and nonsensical and not mean much. Wait, wait songs that didn't necessarily, you said to the movie, do you mean to the plot? Because you were talking about the plot. You mean yes. the songs didn't add to the plot. Exactly. Okay, fair they, they didn't add to the character's development. There were maybe two songs that did that came from emotional places, but so many of these songs were just ranting about, we got to be tough and I'm going to get mean, you guys. It's not wrong, yeah. So it felt silly and i'm predisposed to thinking that these types of films are silly anyways i'm open to having my mind changed because i love music and i love movies and i think that there's a universe where those two things can exist 
basically I need you to write a musical because I haven't <laughs> liked many of them so far. So oh, that's sweet. Okay. So yeah, I couldn't get over just the silliness of it. It's it's embarrassing. It's almost cringy to watch for me. Okay. In most musicals, I love Tick Tick Boom because it was so personal, and every moment he's singing. He's revealing things about his soul and just elevating this whole cinematic experience to a level that makes you care and fall in love so deeply with this character. Whereas all the music in this, and I'm probably, you know, throwing trash all over like a classic and beloved musical, but it's my perspective. It's just like and your opinion, man. It's just yeah, like my fine. opinion. And you most people probably will disagree, and that's fine. These movies aren't for me. But I was open to it, and I, I still just felt that a lot of the singing was silly. A lot of the dancing was silly, especially when they interjected into scenes where you have a gang of youthful street toughs trying to intimidate each other by pirouetting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it just didn't play off as, uh, I mean, it's a musical, so it's not going to be super believable. But I've seen ones that are, so I think that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And that's a long-winded way to say I really didn't like it at all. <laughs> I did. I kind of, I did kind of, I see everything you're saying. I, th I think this, I didn't really 10 minutes, 15 minutes into this. I was like, yeah, this isn't, you're going to act like this. Yeah. But I was thinking about it because I also had some of the same reactions that you did, particularly to the macho fronting that happens here. Yeah. And I think to some extent I was okay with it because it is sort of the rules of the game that we're given. And if I can watch insert name of any, um, major blockbuster superhero blockbuster even if i can believe that a, a tiny human is staring down a giant spaceship and against all odds can dodge all the bullets and like whatever can still win i can suspend my disbelief that in this universe that i'm seeing a fist fight isn't necessarily actually it's not a good example because there is a fist fight or two in this movie. and a knife fight and a knife fight um i can get on board with the idea that the language of this universe is song and dance. It's been established and I'm okay with it. I will grant you it is a little bit silly. I think that some of the places this movie struggles is modernizing it because they do some things, especially with characters that we'll probably talk about when we get into spoilers, that that kind of brings it up to a 21st century sensibility. Um, and it doesn't always work. Like I, I almost wish the dancing would have been a little bit more modern too because mm -hmm. it does feel very traditional and classic. That said, aside from aside from the plot stuff you mentioned, which I think is valid in terms of um, um, the music kind of taken away from that sometimes, maybe true. Just visually, though, I think this is a great watch. I think the performances are really good um, and pretty dynamic. And I think the scene that you mentioned in the church with the two um, where Tony and Maria are singing to each other, there's this suspended reality that happens when they have duets. There's one that happens behind the bleachers, and it's just gorgeous. I mean, mm -hmm. cinematography is great. It's, it's got a very strong sense of old Hollywood, which I think Spielberg captures really well in most of his films. It just feels like a safe watch. Like I can almost just kind of nestle in and just be like, okay, like I'm in for this, which for the most part works in this movie. And I, I, I think it's well-made. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I dug it. It is pretty long. It's, you know, two hours, 40 minutes almost. And it, it's, it's not saying much new. You're right there. Um, and for that reason, it's not going to be super high on my rankings of the year, but I did enjoy it. I think most of the performances are really good. I think the singing is... Above average, not great most of the time. So the question I have then, why should I watch this and not the original? I've never, I, well, that's not true. I saw it in high school. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, like what does this bring to the table? Like, is it just, I mean, couldn't they have just re-released it or remastered it? Because dude, there was several scenes, particularly when they were dancing like in the streets, it was almost in Technicolor. And I thought, well, this movie could have been the original. 
there's there's two parts to my answer. There's two sides of the, the 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 coin of my answer, and one's very cynical, and I think it's potentially correct, which is that why should you see the remake of The Lion King or the remake of anything? I don't know. They're gonna make it, so yeah. they want to make more money, and if they do it with younger people in a higher definition, 15k across the street with 10 billion colors, like I don't know. They're gonna remake it. It's a story for a newer generation. Because it's more appealing to us visually, maybe. So I have thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, and if that's your philosophy, and if you're going to want to give people something that might be relevant pop culturally, why wouldn't you put in some like really popular Latina singers or like Latino singers? You know, like why wouldn't you put like I mean, she's I think Cuban, but uh, like Camila Camila Cabello, like she'd be great in this movie, like. Give this movie some star powers. Use it up. I mean, Ansel Give Elgort's me... a star. Ariana DeBose is great. She's she's actually, I think, we haven't, we're going to be doing our um, Oscar predictions at some point mm-hmm. here. Um, and I believe she's nominated as supporting actress, and she like, might get my vote. I think she's great. I loved Ansel Elgort's voice. I think he was one of the strongest sing- singers in the movie. Sure. Yeah. He's he's a, like he sang, he sings a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's star power. I, I also I've never really, heard of him, though. Yes, you have. He's in Baby Driver. That's Ansel Elgort. Ansel, he's got a tough name to say that, hasn't he? Yeah. Ansel Elgort. He's, he's been almost, in one thing. No, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been he's in The Fault in Our Stars. He's been in one thing I've seen. Fair enough. And he barely spoke and definitely didn't sing. <laughs> um, no, false, because he records his voice singing on his little tape deck. And then he, so technicality, but I'm right. Fine. Um, I'm just saying, don't yes. you think this movie could have benefited from some star power and I, a shorter runtime? I think that the one thing that helped me appreciate the giant money swing behind this was the fact that they didn't hire huge celebrities. Hmm. I think the idea of hiring lesser known actors and giving them a huge budget blockbuster is kind of cool. Would it have been more successful? Had they done that? Yeah, sure. Probably. But I'm sort of like just tugging at threads here of like optimism for a thing that, that is, you know, as artsy as it feels and it's a musical. So that can feel very unique in, in our modern film day and age of reboots and sequels and which is what this is. But there's there's a degree of some kind of like small town, not small town, but like small budget spirit to this, which is maybe just me falling for it, quote unquote. Mm. But yeah, like that's the theater. It kid feels in more you. genuine. Yeah, it feels more genuine than something like a Transformers Dark of the Moon or something. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Or so just, you're saying Mark Wahlberg should have been in this. Yeah, and Chris Pratt, and they could have thrown a T Rex in there and, and like, Hugh and made a Disney night ride. I don't care. I don't know. Yeah. It, whatever. I liked it a lot. It's, so what was the other side of your coin? Oh, sure. Um, what was the question? What was the coin being flipped for? I can't even uh, remember. Why shouldn't I watch the original? Like, why did they even need to remake this? Why do they need to remake it? Yeah. Right. So on one hand, budget, why not? Sure. See it. Uh, the optimistic side of that coin is that they're, like old movies don't work for everybody. They're, it's different. The technology's gotten better. You can tell a story today, better quotes there on better, but I would argue potentially more efficiently than one could have in the 60s with, with the use of technology, be it picture or sound or, or, or technology or, or like, you know, visual effects. Like I would watch this one over the original just cause I think it's more engaging. Probably. I'm not for sure. Again, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's, we have the tools to tell more dynamic stories. I think these days, and if, if used correctly, I think those can make for very rich experiences. Well, I'd love for you to rewatch the original and tell I me if, you <laughs> if this was more dynamic, yeah, uh, because okay. It felt like a movie from the fifties, and uh, but it didn't look like a movie from the sixties. Uh, I mean, a lot of scenes, it did. Not no. Could, well, Technicolor. Oh, do you remember the year? I think it was like sixty or 50, late fifties. It it was it was the Wizard of Oz is what it was, mm-hmm. which is escaping me. But I think it was yeah, like early sixties. So maybe. 
But still, like some of the stuff they do with the camera and some of the visual effects and the lighting effects, they're when the first very surreal. It, it did open with a long shot, which I thought was cool. Yeah, and like long shots were definitely capable. They, people, we were capable of long shots back in the day, but but some of them are fake. Like you know, you hide cuts here and there, which is much tougher to do in the '60s on film mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. But you know, I we we probably don't have too much to talk about about West Side Story. There's a couple spoilers I want to get into, so I think for now maybe we give it a rating out of ten. What do you think? I think I'm there. All right, lay it on me. What do you got? 2.8. That's so low. That's <laughs> so low. I didn't like it okay. at all. Okay, that makes sense. For me, uh, for me, it's a solid seven. I think it's it's a good movie, man. I I think it achieves what it's trying to do. I don't necessarily... We'll get into it more. I think we're about there on time for our listeners uh, on the radio waves, but uh, that's fine. West Side Story for you, 2.8. For me, it is a seven. And once again, in case you have forgotten or you are just joining us, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. West Side Story is, of course, available to stream on HBO Max. It even might be in a theater near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, if you agree with Johnny and you think musicals are lame and boring in most cases, or you agree with me, you can reach us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email fhccast at gmail.com to our radio listeners thank you for tuning in we'll catch you next and every thursday at 5 30 p.m on kzfr 90.1 fm as a reminder if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation which includes spoilers for west side story a review of our second beer our thoughts on drive my car and hot and bothered head over to your favorite podcast app or our website and subscribe to fresh hop cinema the rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m and to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app or our beautiful website designed by one young max Minardi, we'll be right back danger zone danger zone danger zone danger zone uh welcome to it it's extra dangerous today but if you've never joined us for Danger Zone, it's part of the show where we talk about spoilers, in this case for West Side Story. Um, we've had a minor break longer than usual before the Danger Zone. We had to take a picture with cookies. We took a picture with cookies and with our friend NMFL, Nick Land. Uh, I, I suppose, I mean, it's the Danger Zone. You want to say hey real quick? You want to just yell hey? Hey real quick. I hope that made the noise gate. It probably did. Uh, Nick's hanging out. So we're all here. We're all happy. And it's getting dangerous. So... Johnny, I know you don't have a lot you want to talk about for West Side Story. Do you want me to just talk about how much I hate musicals no, for not, a while? No, not or? really. I, do, I want to talk about the part of this that I hated, which is that I was watching this on a night where I was really looking for my my reliable musical pick-me-up. And this movie doesn't end with a reliable musical pick-me-up. It ends with the main character, uh, Tony, dying. Yeah. And nobody like really super cared. They were very wow. nonchalant about death. Like The yeah. one gal's male partner got stabbed to death and she was like that's a bummer yeah and her brother or her sister the main her you got yeah. the names in front of you. <laughs> whatever maria's uh yeah maria's, maria's brother, brother yeah, got stabbed yeah, yeah. by her lover and she was like but i love you surprisingly quick i'll give you that but it's also like the suspension of disbelief with it's a musical world it's a play world that's a big thing too is like people act differently in plays like you can tell it's got a play vibe it also it doesn't hurt that it's like feels like it's set on a soundstage most of the time so it yeah. feels very play-like um, and a lot of the thematic elements feel very, um, not necessarily beating you over the head, but like, okay, I get it. Like, yes. Um, but man, I was not happy that it turned into basically Romeo and Juliet. Like he's convinced that she's dead. So he's like, all right, kill me. He doesn't kill himself. Um, I can't Chino kills him. Yeah. Um, just a lot of, I wish people would talk more, which is a shame because it's like a musical where it's like, they're basically only talking, they're singing it, but they're talking a lot. It feels like mm-hmm. maybe they could have talked through this, you know? Yeah. But that's the problem. Racism runs deep, even through song. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, yeah, they also talk about in this movie how it's like not about racism, it's about turf, which I actually think is pretty valid. That is what they're fighting over, but the movie doesn't seem to commit to that. It's like, no, it's racism. It's like you got to pick one. You don't have to pick one, but it tries to pick one or the other. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So this didn't take you to La La Land? Man, I love La La Land. But no, of course it did not. Um, I know it'll cheer you up just hearing me say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, do you have anything specifically you want to talk about or are you feeling like you want to just keep this train rolling? Like I said, I really did like Ansel Elgort's. It's still tough. Elgort. Yeah. Elgort. Elgort. It's a bummer of a name. Elgorto Elgort. Loco. Yeah. Uh, no, I liked his voice. I think he's a good singer. I enjoyed his yeah. his vocal stylings. Uh, kind of it almost ventured into Brendan Urie territory from oh, Panic at the sure. Disco. Very adjacent, which I really dug. I could see that, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there were songs I liked, but yeah, I nothing okay yeah i'm just gonna be repeating shit that i already said so i really like the dance battle that happens in the gymnasium it's great dude because it's like it's the epitome of everything they're trying to do it's like it's the fun choreography and the dancing it's also got the tension of the two sides but it's set in in a high school gym setting so it's not the seriousness that you're talking about with like the street gangs fighting each other yeah it's like fun goofy high school dancing but it's really good dancing like just from a choreographical perspective it kept reminding me of zoolander they're breakdance fighting yeah, or white chicks. Yeah, I yeah, but that's like I don't know. Zoolander is probably a rip on on classical musicals or classic musicals. I don't know. No, it's. Definitely I liked not. it. No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. Uh, okay, well, I feel good on my side story then. Um, if you do, yeah, let's take a trip over to the east, the far east. How do you figure? Not yet. We're not. Okay, gonna, that was going to be a perfect segue if that was what came next, but it's not because we are out of beer. Um, so let's, yeah, West Side Story to Bed. It's on HBO Max. Watch it if you want to and let us know what you think. In the meantime, Johnny Beer, number two, Burning Barrel Brewing Company, BBBC, uh, from uh, Rancho Cordova. So there it is. Invasion of the Dankness. Uh, it's an Imperial IPA and it's a double West Coast IPA with CTZ, Nugget, Simcoe, and Mosaic Hops. So hopefully something I enjoy. Curtis Park Market also? Yep. Okay. Tell me more stuff. Tell me about the can. It's uh, It seems like it's referencing a thing that you it is. were alive for. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. The whole can is themed off of uh, Mars Attacks. Love that movie. I like gravitate towards that pinball machine anytime one is around. When's the last time you actually played one? Uh, at the Volcano arcade and beer bar in bend oregon roughly three years ago very very specific yep. okay so super stoked on this guy like you said 8.5 percent comes in a sweet 16 ounce can love the label it's just so pretty check out our instagram for the pictures smart okay it's also very fresh how fresh is it it's <laughs> not that fresh beer. okay oh really it's 12 27 21 that's two that's well yeah it's almost three months okay well it's at the tail end of what we would usually consider okay ideal yeah yeah not ideal but like the, the acceptable window yeah yeah um okay well why don't you try it first i'm gonna give my glass a little rinse uh from our last beer yeah <laughs> make sure it doesn't smell like oreos <laughs> correct um but i'm hoping you dig this man it's, it should be right up your alley in terms of stylistic preferences at least oh that's pleasant okay why uh it's not super bitey for an 8.5 percent double ipa it's very like kind of mellow easy drinking surprisingly in a good way yeah yeah it's got like a nice hot punch but it's it's kind of juicy in the middle and it finishes with like a little bit of a bitterness kind of a like a hop tang but no super clean uh and it isn't very malty i'm always trepidatious of of double ipas just due to the the level of malt they can get so cardboardy so fast and i think as you double the ingredients to make it a double ipa or whatever it 
it ventures into that territory more often than not. So it's really drinkable. I think it's a pretty good, just straightforward kind of no frills double IPA. It was too much of a glowing endorsement for me not to immediately start with my qualms. Yeah. There's a sneaker quality to this. There's an inside of a tennis sneaker quality in terms of dankness. I need to get a new glass because my glass kind of still smells like Oreos. Yeah, but it's not Oreos. It's like a sweaty funkiness that I'm getting and mm. not totally in a bad way, but there is a funk. And it's I, got a bit of a mosaic funk. Don't call. Don't you dare put mosaic on the line for this. I'm gonna throw it to the CTZ. No, hop mosaic can be funky, dude. Mosaic can have some green onion. It can have some garlic. That's true. That's a good point. I guess I, I don't dislike it. I think that's worth noting, especially if you throw out the word funk. It's also I'm not suggesting that it's like a saison kind of Brett funk. No, that it's, kind it's of. It's a very like sweaty high school musical gymnasium. Not high school musical, yeah. which had its own gymnasium number but a musical that takes place in a high school gym. Also, who the fuck hates Puerto Rican people? They're beautiful. They're people, amazing. People hate, Puerto Rican food's no, great. No, people hate Puerto Rican people. People hate white people. Hate people. people that are should be a bumper stupid. sticker. Yeah. People hate people. People hate people. people are stupid. Sure. Uh, there's a country song, probably. People hate people and people <laughs> are stupid, but God is good and beer is crazy. Yeah, that's exactly the kind I was thinking of to that exact yep. song. Um, I think it's okay so far. I've had one sip. I'm going to try another one. It's that... that I don't know if I if that flavor is actually as offensive as it's cropping itself up to be in my crop circling itself up to be in my brain. But oh, maybe it is. Sorry. Crop circles mm -hmm. with the reference. It's hard going from something that's so extreme of a style as, as our first beer to mm -hmm. something so tame as Dude, a double IPA. Like it's a weird sentence in this case, but you might be right. Because this isn't objectively a tame beer, I don't think. It is just coming off of that first one. This everything's gonna seem a little bit more subtle. Um, but after a second drink, this isn't I don't think subtle at all. Though compared to the first one, for sure. But um, no, this is super biting, man. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a very, very biting beer. It's got some bite. Uh, it's also surprising me that it's almost three months old. It tastes fresher than that. It does taste fresh. Testament to to the beer, probably. Yeah, this is held up nice. It was, you know, made in Rancho Cordova and sold out of Sacramento, so there was probably not much chance for this beer to get warm. Yeah, it's true. at all. So I'm banking on it being just stored properly, and just waiting on a shelf for me. Do you have any knowledge of their beers ever coming to Chico? Mm, I think they have to be picked up and brought back. I've seen some at Chico Taproom, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's only places they go down and pick up. It's a bummer. Uh, I mean, this one too, but particularly the first one I think is worth getting up here to have people try. Mm -hmm. I like this beer. I like it. It's a lot. It's a very aggressive beer. This is a 16 ounce can. It cost us how many dollars? Seven-ish. Yeah, it feels high a little bit. It feels more like a $6 can to me. But it's also not one that I'd want to drink myself, probably. It's a very, very hefty IPA, if you ask me. I would tackle this 16-ounce can, no problem. You would? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I think it's super drinkable. It's a double IPA, and if it's, you're, if you're yeah, in the mood for a double IPA, true. I would handle this no problem. I'm, maybe it's like we're coming into warmer weather, because I think it's like 83 today here in Chico, but like I've been sort of fantasizing about lagers and colches, and like we talked about Sequench on an episode mm -hmm. recently with it from Dogfish Head. And, and the the idea of something lighter and more quenching, maybe this is just coming at me at the wrong season because this is like, it's a hefty IPA. It's 8.5, like you said. But for me, very hoppy. It comes across pretty thin though. Mouthfeel or flavor or Mouthfeel. Like it's, it doesn't have like that sick, sick, that thick, like coating mouthfeel. It's, it's really, yeah, you're right. it's pretty yeah. thin and drinkable. Yeah. For me, it's the hot bite. It's really, really intense on the palate. Like there's, I'm going to taste this for the rest of the night. Yeah. More, unless I drink, drink more of the Oreo beer. Yeah. Or just eat another Oreo. I don't tell people that. I, didn't, I haven't eaten an Oreo. <laughs> we definitely didn't eat Oreo. photo or shoot, dude. <laughs> 
totally didn't eat Oreos before we drank this beer. It's going to be a good picture on our Instagram by the Head Fresh Up Cinema. Oh, so we rinsed our mouths out. You didn't? Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you still got Oreo in your teeth. That's fine. I thought it would, you know, it would make an evolution of flavor. <laughs> I am getting more of the beer every time I sip it, though. <laughs> it's because it's rinsing out the Oreos. That's exactly why. Sick. I had a little bit of water, you know? Um, you rinsed. You get a pass. I feel good um, on this, by the way. I'm, I like it. I'm going to take one more sip, and yeah. I'm, then I'm ready to rate it. I'm, I'm almost there. What about you? All right, sip. I'll rate. <laughs> Tricked you. No, I... Uh, I <laughs> Yeah, I really like this beer. I think it's it's a solid double IPA. It's worlds apart from the first beer, but if you're judging this brewery as a whole, I think they made two really above average beers. The first one is a style all of its own now, apparently, but this one is falling into a category that's well-known, well-documented, and we have a lot of things to compare it to, and I think this is a better double IPA than your average. So for me, this falls in at like a 7-1. Okay, all right. I ran track in middle school, in case you were curious. I totally was wondering that. I ran the 100-yard dash. Okay. I ran the 100-yard hurdles. At one point, I did the 220. I even ran a little bit in high school. You just, And I fancy that I grew as a person. I thought you just said you ran track in high school. Middle school. Oh. The reason I say this is because I've evolved, and I used to be a sprinter, and now I'm more of a long-distance runner, and this is a sprinting type of beer. And I was hoping my rating would put me lower than yours more substantially than this because you're talking about it like you like it a whole lot more. But but by the numbers, we're very close because mine's a 7 out of 10. I just think it's an overwhelming drinking experience. And if you're the, the, the caveat and the saving grace is that if you, you know what you're getting into, you're expecting a big IPA and it achieves that, but it's coming down to personal preference. It's a very, very, very aggressive beer, I think. I don't think it's aggressive at all. I think if I had to guess as far as like which of the two beers from this brewery you're going to say was an overwhelming drinking experience. You're right. Um, but I'm talking about this one by but itself. Yeah. But yeah, of course, compared to the two. I think it's that overwhelming for a double IPA. Do you know what we didn't write down in our notes this week that we probably should have uh, is the IBU rating on this. I'm going to try to find it real quick, which is, I don't think it's on there. Um, so I'm going off script a little bit, but if you had to guess, what do you think it is? Because I think this might be the difference that we're tasting. I'm going to picture a pretty like high 65. number. 65. See, I'm get well, that's pretty high actually. I'm, I'm guessing like 85. No. Well, let's find out if we can. Um, you just got too much sweetness in you. That's not true. That's never been the case. I will never cave on that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking it up right now. So, uh, maybe I could input the, uh, something that sounds like a non-copyrighted version of the. Jeopardy. There's no way of taking out both those snaps, I don't think, in the edit, but I'm going to try. Um, it's not listed here. Maybe it's on this. Maybe it's on untapped. No IBU rated. Well, what a shame that is, because I think I think it would be high, dude. I think your palate's just all wonky. It's possible. You're all jacked up on Mountain Dew. The point is, uh, Invasion of the Dankness is a, a, is a, an above average. Solid. Not great, but pretty good IPA for both of us. It's 7.1 for you, 7 for me. I can I can rest easy knowing that. I think it's 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 fine. It's above fine. Sorry. It's very good. Seven's very a solid good. rating. It's very good. And just to close the loop on Burning Barrel Brewing out of Rancho Cordova, uh, the ones that I had on tap were not as good as this. Oh, really? I think the IPAs that I had were way oh, more underwhelming. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think this is a, a really solid representation of what they're doing as far as hoppy beer. I think I know the answer. Did you happen to log those beers in our podcast untapped when you were at the tap room just so we could go back and look? Absolutely. Didn't. Great. Sure. <laughs> that would have been very handy right now, but okay. Um, when were you there? Maybe that'll help. 
Three months ago? Oh, so when this was made. Yeah, three okay. four months ago. I was hoping maybe. you'd be like a year ago, and I'm like, all right, well, they're doing better stuff now. Well, no, I, I was. I don't remember if it was before Christmas. It was sometime yeah, okay. within the last four months. All right. Well, I think regardless, they're a brewery to keep one's eyes open for, nay, one's mouth open for. Uh, they do a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to keep my eyes open here in Chico for sure. I'd happily grab either one of these again, and I'd be curious to try what they do next. I'm very excited about these. So you heard it from young Maxwell. Keep sure. your mouth open for some BBBC. <laughs> God. Um, all right. Upcoming is a trailer for Drive My Car. It will officially be the last film that we cover in terms of the Academy Awards. Ever. Yeah, ever in the history, in the future history of the show. No, uh, we've covered every other movie on, on, on an episode with full coverage for uh, Best Picture nominations. This is the last one. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. It is on HBO Max, so you can watch it if you have a subscription to that. It's uh, two hours and 59 minutes long, um, so it is a bit of a mouthful, earful, eyeful, something. We're not going to spoil it is the point for now, so don't go anywhere. Okay, what you did not just hear was a trailer for Drive My Car because none of it was in English. So, Johnny, in English, please give me IMDb's synopsis of Drive My Car. The truncated version. Sure. Of this drive my car. Get it? Trunk. I get it. Uh, a renowned stage actor learns to cope with his wife's unexpected passing when he receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. Right. Uh, this was directed by Ryosuke Hamaguchi, who, by the way, um, in case anybody doesn't know, has actually put out two movies this year. Uh, this is the one that's getting the most attention, but there's another one called... Um, uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. I'm mm. almost positive I'm mixing up some words in there, but it's one that's been on my list and I haven't been able to find it, which is very upsetting. Uh, in any case, Drive My Car was based on a short story from an author named Haruki Murakami back in 2014. It was a, it was a series of short stories called Men Without Women. Um, this particular one was actually called Drive My Car, um, and it was adapted for this screen by uh, the director Hamaguchi and Takamasa O. Oh. Um, it runs two hours and 59 minutes long. It came out in Cannes Film Festival back in July, hit some theaters in November. I think it came to Chico actually very briefly at the pageant for like, what, like three nights maybe? I think they did a weekend run. Yeah. And that was like uh, last week. So like mid-March kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then it came to HBO Max pretty shortly after it was nominated for an Academy Award. And I think those things are linked. Which um, is good for us. Totally. And it's good for, yeah, people that might not have heard about this movie otherwise, I think. Um, just bear with me on the cast list. Here's who's in it. You got Hitotoshi Nishijima as our main character, Yusuke Kafuku. He's the um, director and, and also actor who has been offered this job in Hiroshima to direct Uncle Vanya, a play by Anton Chekhov. You also have Toko Miura as Masaki Watari, who is his um, union-appointed driver. In, there was an incident in the... Um, Guild? The, the, the theater, theater Yeah, um, where somebody hit a, a pedestrian. So now he is no longer allowed to drive his own car. So somebody else has to drive my car. Um, you also have Masaki Okada as Koji Takatsuki, who who I think we can say, and we can edit this if you're not cool with it, um, was having a sexual carnal relationship with um Kafuku's with wife. wife. Yeah. And we find that out pretty early on. Mm -hmm. He's an actor and, and he was in one of her projects and uh th they had they had that going and he found out shortly before she passed away. Um and then the last person I want to mention is of course his wife, um Otto Kafuku played here by Rika Kirishima and she's in the movie briefly but um fairly uh importantly I think. So this was, um, you know, we've been off the air for two weeks. We had two very long movies to watch for for this episode. They um, both took us a week. Yes, they did. Uh, and and this is a very different vibe than West Side Story. 
I'll get into my thoughts in a minute here, but of course, um, per tradition, I wanted to throw it to you first. What did you think of Drive My Car, sir? Well, I didn't know much about it other than like the brief synopsis, basically what we just read. Sure. So I went in fairly blind, just knowing that it was long and just very rudimentary plot points. What I found was a movie that required, or I would probably say commanded attention. Sure. Within the first 30 seconds, it fully commanded all of my attention. And it's not just because I was reading it, but it's mm-hmm. the the dialogue in this movie is so matter of fact. I think that is a, a testament to Japanese culture. It absolutely is. Uh, and I love that. I love the directness of it. It was more complex of a plot than I thought that was, I was, I didn't know what to expect. So found yeah, it yeah. to be uh, kind of a complex, like intertwining interpersonal plot. It was a, a, journey through grief and and mourning and and processing all that and how to deal with those emotions and we found some really wild not interesting i am not using that word you can use that word you just got to justify it uh the relationships in this movie were interesting in that they were not traditional you had this guy that loved driving everywhere and he suddenly has to be driven so immediately he literally has to take a back seat in his own life Mm -hmm. i thought that metaphor was obvious but profound uh, and also some of the, it, it was hard to not be reminded of Lost in Translation. I don't know. It just sure. it, it harkened back to that movie. But I loved the relationship between Kafuku and his wife, Oto. I thought the way that they conversed was was fascinating. I loved listening to them talk to each other. Uh, so early on, this movie really sucked me in. I was on board uh, and then, you know, it progressed and yeah, it was long, but I don't think any of that time was wasted. I think it was exactly as long as it needed to be. I think it earned every bit of that three hours, and that's hard to do. Uh, but I thought it was a very heartfelt film about some unconventional relationships and the way we process them and a really hard, cold look at human emotion and how we deal with it. So I was really on board before uh, and I stand by it. I, I'm on board for this movie. I really liked it. I did too. I I also didn't know much going in. There's about a 40 minute long prologue. Yeah. At, at, at the point which it ended, I was like, "Is this like an anthology movie?" And and because because the credits roll basically, the, the, what would typically be intro or even outro credits start about um yeah like I think it was like 40 minutes in. Um, so I didn't know what I was getting into necessarily. And then I realized, okay, no, this is just kind of, that was the beginning. Like, that's kind of what you need to know to set the stage, mm-hmm. forgive the pun, um, yeah. for what's going to be happening. It's a strange time to just think, okay, now the movie's starting. Totally. Like, whoa. Um, which I actually got on board with quicker than I thought I would. Uh, I thought it was going to jar me more than it did, but I was like, okay, no, that makes total sense. Like, the movie's now beginning, which I think actually was to its benefit. With such a long runtime, I could see this being a very fatiguing movie because it's very slow, very contemplative, and very... Uh, methodical in, in its pacing. And I could see that getting taxing, especially, I mean, there's, there's the, when we get later into the, into the movie where he's putting on this, this adaptation of uncle Vanya, the thing about it, and it's an old Chekhov play. I want to say from like 1897 or something. And it was first produced in like 1899. It's a pretty, um, it's a pretty, uh, what's the word? Um, dense, dense production. And the trick he pulls here is he, he does it in, multiple languages there's korean and japanese um sign language and i think some english though korean sign language yeah yeah i actually know a bit of american sign language i was like that's not what this is Mm -hmm. um 
It makes sense that it would be different, sure. though. I would never even would have considered that before this movie. Yeah, there's a couple scenes where they say, like, this means no one, this is a stupid podcast, but this is happiness. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of gesturing away from your chin with your fingers span mm -hmm. and bringing it closer. Um, so the, the the order in which they say words, it was like, well, that's not American Sign Language. It's American Sign Language very much follows English structure. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, the uh, yeah, the, the, the way they put on the play in multiple languages... Um, I think added a, a degree of um, appreciation for the density of, of the text of the play they're putting on for sure, which is kind of a through line throughout the song. He listens to everybody else's lines of the play as he drives in his car, which is like yeah, his like um, it's his ritual. It's his ritual. It's his safe space. Like it's maybe not the most healthy thing, and we explore his character more. And that's clearly like he's just holding on to some stuff that he's going to eventually have to deal with. And it's absolutely very much a story about grief and processing and. Um, the complexities of relationships and what it means to be loved and to love people. And um, I couldn't help being reminded of a movie called Columbus, which I think, have you seen Columbus? Mm -mm. Okay. Then I covered it as a flick pick. It came out um, in 2017 um, by, go ahead. Did you really like the soundtrack? Love the soundtrack. I remember this. It's movie. so good. Yeah. It was directed by a South Korean director that goes by Koganada. And, um, oh, I've got it in front of me. Um, John Cho was in it. Haley Lou Richardson. And um, there's just a real appreciation for, slowness a very un-american pacing and, and that's the same here and maybe it's just the fact that it's by a non-american director a lot of asian directors seem to take time to just let things steep well that's kind of japanese culture right I right mean, you know thousands of hours just to make a sword type Dude, situation so yeah so what you were saying about the dialogue early on um and um hamaguchi was saying this in an interview i can't remember where i read it but uh was saying that the the directness of the dialogue you're talking about, which is present for a lot of it, especially with between the the two the couple, is is pretty straightforward and very much on par with um, Japanese culture. But it's some of the more emotional stuff when they really start talking about their emotions is not at all what most Japanese folks are accustomed to speaking like. That makes sense. So, but he was talking about how it was very important for the telling of his story to to write it that way because it's the only way to really get at what these characters are going through. I was also really taken when we started exploring more of the driver's life. Yeah. It really becomes a story of, of him and the driver and, and I loved shared her. trauma. And yeah, yeah, I did too. I loved her so much. Um, and I think I'd like to watch this again. It's a very, very dense movie. Um, and there's a lot of thematic material and uh, uh, emotional stuff just to sit with. Mm -hmm. um, and it does a good job of letting you sit in it. Totally. There's so many great moments. There, there's one particular scene. I won't give too much away, but they're um, two of them are driving through the snow, and it's very it's very loud. There's a lot of car noises, mm -hmm. like the tires on the snow, and the rumbling of the engine. And at one point, the sound just cuts out, and it's totally silent for like maybe ninety seconds. That might be overshooting it a little bit, but like a long time. Me. And and that serenity that you get from just being able to sit in those moments, I was just very soothing and and um, yeah, very gloriously cinematic in a way that almost reminded me of something big. Like I watched Dune again recently and those giant ships and different planets are, I almost associate that kind of grandeur with the scale, but feeling it on something so personal with, with these two people just driving in a car. And then as something as um, basic as removing the sound, just to appreciate that moment. I didn't expect that. I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> um, especially in, in, not a noisy movie, but but a movie that's rich in its soundscape. Mm -hmm. the, the, the choice to pull all the sound out for those pretty key emotional moments, I think, worked really, really well. So there's stuff like that throughout. There's a great shot of them driving with um, each of them holding a cigarette out the top mm, of the uh, I love that scene. sunroof or moonroof, whatever. Yeah. Does it depend on the time of day? Uh, moonroof, I guess. It's nighttime. So I think a, a sunroof. 
uh, there's a difference, and yeah. I knew it. It does not. Yeah, it matter. does not a bit. But there's, it, yeah, I love these that little scene. moments. Like you can, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just great. The little shots like that. There's great attention to detail in some of the shots and and the sequences in general. I I, I liked it a lot, man. Yeah, it was a deliberate movie made with care and kind of delivered the same way, and it was purposeful in its its deliberate pacing. Yeah, and I loved it. I did. It never got boring. There were never slow scenes and. I don't know if this is a phrase that's been coined or not, but that auditory negative space when you had that mm -hmm. complete silence mm -hmm. was so profound and thought provoking. Yeah. And it just let you soak in the visuals. Yeah. And like just kind of sit with it. I love how much this movie made me sit with it. Yeah. I'm just thinking this for the first time. So I don't know how much um, stock I'm putting in this theory, but not theory, just my interpretation. But yeah, that silence happens. And I, I think maybe today we can talk about this movie and maybe not even get into spoilers. I don't know unless you really want to, but I don't think there's much to spoil. Yeah. Um, but so still for people that haven't seen it, when, when that sequence happens, the sequence of silence, it's happening at a point where particularly, um, I guess it's for both of them. Um, but particularly for Watari, the driver, we're visiting some trauma from her past in a, in a, in a physical location. And, it's this moment where they're both we we're realizing like they're both as characters dealing with some stuff that is not totally their fault, but when something bad happens to somebody or in your life and you kind of feel like you could have done something like what, what if I had done X, Y, or Z, those characters are both having that moment and the way the sound cuts out and the time that it happens, it's like it, yeah, it makes you consider that and really sit with it and um, it can be challenging, but I think very, very well done. Yeah. I loved those moments that they shared. They were beautiful. Just yeah. absolutely moving. Like, yeah. You know, I think it's been since maybe we covered Coda that sure. I thought this movie deserves to be nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was really happy to watch this movie. Interestingly enough, and I don't have the list of nominees in front of me, but I could see both the movies you just mentioned um, being nominated for Best Sound Design mm. also. Yeah. The same with like it's the it's the um uh oh man um what's the uh what's the Riz Ahmed film where he Sound of Metal yeah um yeah like it feels like we're constantly so inundated with the bigger and louder explosions like the bigger sound design is better and then by every now Bay. and again right a movie will come along and just be like we're gonna be quiet for a little bit mm -hmm. and it just makes you be like oh it's nice stuff starts creeping like I'm not distracted I just have to embrace the emotions that's coming at me yeah it's, well it's good filmmaking sure you know this movie felt like just really good filmmaking and i loved this isn't reductive in any way i love how foreign it felt i same i loved that about yeah. this like I'm, yes we watch movies all the time you guys know you listen and so for us to be confronted with something so outside of what we would consider normal or yeah. traditional it challenges us as as critics and movie watchers, and I love that. I love being pushed outside yes. the box, and especially when it's done well, and it's something you can just appreciate as beautiful mm -hmm. cinema. Yes, I'm here for that. I I yeah. say it all the time. This this type of movie is like why we started this because I would have never watched this movie for sure in a million years if we weren't doing this show. Yeah, I think I think the word that I would be looking for if I were delivering the sentence you just did. Uh, is how un-American it feels. Yeah. Because there is an American sensibility in a lot of mainstream film. Not that this is necessarily mainstream filmmaking, um, but it's not the most indie thing ever. And and yeah, the exposure that it's getting from the Academy Award nomination and the exposure that the people will be getting to a different culture that is maybe like going to have to consider like, oh, like there's there's some movies that are on par with like American cinema. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, you know, yeah, getting a different cultural bent on or a different cultural perspective on something can be very great. And sometimes it's done super well, like here. Yeah. The way that the, their culture, you know, handles emotions and the things we've talked mm -hmm. about and the way that that was translated onto film 
Fantastic. Um, I, I think this has a good chance of winning Best Picture. I, ooh, not to get into it now, but that's going to be some Patreon stuff that we're going to talk about this week. So mm-hmm. if you care to hear our thoughts on that, join Patreon. Um, to bookend this, I wanted to say that, yeah, his other film this year uh, is Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which is what I think I said the first time. Uh, it's two hours long, so a little bit more digestible. And it's available to rent Amazon Prime Video, Vudu, Google Play, YouTube for $4. So Sick. watch it, you, Johnny, yeah. um, and other you people. Watch it. I will watch it. Um, Rent yeah. it on Voodoo so I can watch okay. it. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you were moved by this or you saw it or what we're talking about sounds interesting to you in whatever that means to you, uh, check it out. Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. It's on my list of 2021 films that I'm hoping to finish by the time we do our top 10 in a couple weeks. Fair enough. Um, rate it, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. Um, after you, sir, drive my car out of 10. Out of 10, it's a 9.1. Very, I very high. really love this movie. I think this is going to be definitely one of my favorite movies Why? Of the year. Where does the point one come from? Like, I, I, I kind of like understand even, when you... Like even you're literally just doing... So why not 8.9? Because it wasn't an 8.9. Why not? Okay, well... Because it was definitely a 9. It was. But a, why not it, just call it a 9? Because it was a 9.1. That's so dumb to me. <laughs> Mine's an 8. I think it's really, really good. I need to watch it again. I think in the past, especially since we've really started um, focusing on Oscar noms and, and some movies that are uh, less blockbustery, I've said this a few times, but I need to rewatch it. I think there's nothing wrong with saying, yes, I should rewatch this thing to appreciate it more. There's layers to it, and I can't get a full grasp of it now. It's like taking a second drink of beer. Mm-hmm. So it's an eight for me for now. I think it's really, really great, um, and I will watch it again. If anybody listening wants to watch it with me, uh, I think it'd be a great experience to uh, share with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you wanna go to Hot and Bothered? Let's do it. Hot and Welcome you. to Hot and Bothered. It's the part of the show where we diverge from our we take the we take the exit ramp. Our chauffeur drives us off the freeway of film and beer, and we talk about whatever we want. What's got us excited, happy, elated, depressed, bummed out, exhausted. That's it. Hot yeah. and bothered. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you, dude. What do you got? I've got lots of both. Let's take time. Let's take turns. Okay. Okay. You go first. Um, Give me a hot. All right. So my first hot. <laughs> I've got. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. First hot. I have been craving the show alone. Uh, I've been missing it a lot. Uh-huh. I've been wanting to get back into it. Keep craving another season. What's alone? So alone's a show that I've talked about on the show a couple times, where it's. It's it's sold and labeled kind of as a reality show, but in fact is more of a self-shot documentary survival series because uh-huh. to me a reality show right, requires right, right. a cast, but this like, is um, what's Survivor. The, no, no, yes. Or but, Naked and Afraid. Yes. Something like that. One. That's a reality show. Alone is one person with a camera pack and a battery pack, and they have to set up all their own stuff. Way more of a survival documentary. So I've been craving that show quite a bit. Uh, and that led me to this show called 100 Days Wild. Okay. Which is these people that have been living off the grid in Alaska for about five years. It's a husband and wife. And they invite, I think, seven people up to come like help them start a community. Who goes to that? Who says yes? Seven people. There was one guy that had been living like in a hole in the ground since he was like 14, didn't wear anything but like that makes animal leather yeah, that, that he killed. Like, what an upgrade. Yes. And if you th- you're thinking maybe he was a wild card, you'd be right because he sure. was not super stable. Uh, but it, it degraded pretty quickly into the two people that invited everyone up there just yeah. wanting servants. 
Oh, like like followers or servants? Kind of like followers. Cool. Yeah, cool. It, it, it got weird fast. And um, I don't know if anyone else is going to care enough to take the time. But it essentially like ended up with everyone that went up there to hang so out. So you're with spoiling them. it. Yeah. Okay. They just left. Sure. And like started their own thing out there. They the didn't wood. go home. They like just walked away. And yeah. Did. We're like, we're going to go like 20 miles this way and live here. And we don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. It was a really bonkers show. Uh, 100 Days Wild. Where, uh, where'd you watch it? On Hulu. It's a History Channel show. It's a history. Man, they're doing wild stuff on the History Channel. Yeah, they are. 100 Days of it. Yeah. Um, Your turn. Okay. Hot or bothered? I'm sticking to hots. Okay. Uh, I played a Stobel. It's a coffee shop here in town, if you don't know. They have a rooftop. They've recently-ish started doing dinner service and music. And I think I was the third performer to perform there. Uh, you were there, dude. Thanks I for was. coming out. Our friend Nick was there. Thanks for coming out. Um, we had a lot of actually um, beer friends show up. And it was kind of a long weekend for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate people showing up. It was nice to have something. Like, I, I don't know. people. Like The people that booked me were like, like you, we, you have a name around town. And I was like man, I'm glad you think that like, maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, so then for people to show up and be like, yeah, we're here to see that guy was, Mm -hmm. was a nice feeling. My neighbor, Alan came out. It was weird. He's awesome. Are you guys tight? No. Why did you, you brought him. I assume. Yeah. Like you came together. No, I was like, we're going to be here. If you want to hang out, meet us there. I guess like carpooled or something. No. All right. That's less weird. Kind of. Um, Alan seems nice. He's a sweetheart. All right. Good. Um, so that was, that was Stobel. That was fun. I don't know when I'm going to be playing there again. Um, I haven't really talked to, Oh, that's not true. Maybe before this, but definitely for graduation weekend. Nice. That's Saturday. So oh, that's gonna wow. Be a, that's going to be a, a night. So it went well. Cause they booked you for one of the busiest weekends. They actually in Chico. booked me before that. Oh, so yeah. So yeah, I, I guess if it would have gone badly on that Friday, they would have been like, never mind about graduation, but they haven't said that. So yeah. yeah. Um, what else you got? You've been watching anything else? I'd like, I know I'm talking about real world and stuff and interacting with people, but is there anything you could tell me about just sitting at home alone, watching a show? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. Um, it's obviously worth mentioning why this weekend was long. It was oh, Miyagi's yeah, okay. Miyagi's sure. celebration of life. So we saw a bunch of people that we hadn't seen in a long time for obviously less than exciting reasons. But it was sure. really cool. The beer community came out in force, and it was a really, you know, somber obviously day. But it was really great seeing so many friendly faces. So that's what made it a long weekend. And it was yeah. honestly. Yeah, I could say that you're part of my hot because getting to see you on Friday and Saturday, I know for myself and a lot of our friends included, was a nice reprieve mm-hmm. from the the weight. Oh, see me performing. Yeah, yeah seeing yeah, sure. you perform was was a reprieve from the weight of of the day and the weekend and whatever. It was just a good release. So Thanks, ended up hanging out with a bunch of friends at the Commons, people from out of town, people yeah. from in town. It was uh, you know kind of like the after party to the the uh, celebration of life. So. As much as I wanted you to talk about Vikings right now, I can't not take that segue, which is my second hot, which is that I played at the Commons the following night after Stobel, played with a full band. My buddy Josh, who used to live in Chico, came down from Portland. He plays keyboards very, very well. Um, and we did a full band show. It was me and Josh and uh, my buddy Rob on drums and my friend Ethan on bass. Um, ended up playing for four hours that night, which made it my fourth gig of the weekend, which is too many, kind of technically. <laughs> That's the voice was very tired on Sunday, but it was a really good show. We played a lot of... Stuff that I don't usually play, don't get the chance to play. Um, played electric guitar for a bit, which was cool. Um, played no guitar for a bit. Played no guitar for a bit, which was felt cool. Don't know if it looked cool. I saw a video where I was like, you should move more. So I was just like sitting there like this, like, oh, superstitious. I don't know what I to do know. with my hands. Yeah, it's a, it's an art form, I think, singing without an instrument. I just don't practice it, so I don't know. You got to go full Joe Cocker. But uh, who's that? Uh, Google some videos of him singing later. Okay. 
Uh, but that was super fun. So thanks to, again to, yeah, the, you guys were both there. Um, and yeah, a lot of beer people showed up. A lot of music people showed up. It was, it was a pretty great night. It overall. was like a salve on the open wound that we all needed. So thanks for giving us the excuse to do that. Um, on another note, I watched Vikings. Here we go. Vikings <laughs> Valhalla. Yeah, boy. Which is a sequel or prequel to what the the more popular Vikings? Same creators a uh, hundred years later is what's happening. Okay. So the same like descendants of the original yeah. folks kind of thing? Yeah, and lots of like mention of them, but yeah, just set a hundred years later. And this whole season, Vikings Valhalla was essentially like a holy war between Christians and Vikings with a ton of uh, court politics and, you know, kings and and all the stuff like that. So it really reminded me of this sort of like combination of the first like three seasons of Vikings with like a heavy dash of the the politics and espionage and betrayals of Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. really liked it. It scratched a very particular kind of medieval barbaric itch. Yeah. And it's on Netflix, so sure. Why not? And the main character in this one is Leif Erikson. The Leif Erikson? Yeah. Did we go to America? Is that part of the show? That might be in season that's two. That's like his thing. That's like what everybody, that's what he's, that's him. Well, see, in this season, it's him trying to eclipse his father's shadow uh-huh. because his father was Eric the Red, who was like oh. one of the most famous Vikings. Yeah. So yeah. before he went to America, he was like disregarded, didn't have much credibility of his own. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of like getting out of his father's shadow. But mm-hmm. super, I love the acting. Like it was really well written. The costumes are great. It's just a visual feast. Yeah. And if you love like that whole atmosphere and vibe of Vikings, I would say check it out 100%. And it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Easy enough. Season one. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout out real quick. Cause I'm just patting myself on the back left and right. And actually the two people in this room are the two people that have told me the most good things about it, which is cumulatively about three things, which is enough for me. Uh, which is that I, I built out a web page on our website for Patreon content. And like we've been doing Patreon content since December 2016, which is like one month after we started this show. We were on that Patreon train quick. Nick Land, I think, was like within the first five people to join our Patreon. If I'm not mistaken, it was like uh, you, John Wallum. I didn't. I didn't mean to start this list because I can't remember everybody. I think else. there was a Jared Schmidt in there. Really, Jared was maybe really on too. there. I think Miyagi was pretty early on. I think my friend Sean was pretty mm-hmm. early on. Um, Oof. I know. Fuck. Um, so we, uh, yeah, like we've we've done so many things. Like the more I think back on it, we've done. Remember six fantastic facts with Johnny and Max. Mm-hmm. We would pick a movie, and God, we that was just, fun. Yeah, it was like unstructured goofiness. Or we do like 30 second synopses on films and we talk about we do like five minute movie reviews, or we just like BS for a while. And there's these episodes going back, yeah, like uh, what is that? Six almost not five and a half years, five years on Patreon, but they're so hard to find. Like you'd have to just scroll and scroll and scroll, and no one's gonna do that. Not that anybody wants to, but if they did want to, they couldn't. Well, you're yeah, it's stuff that you pay for, it should be easier to get to. So I built a page on our website dedicated to Patreon bonus content. And it's password protected, which I've given to everybody in Patreon. So now, if for whatever reason, like they want to go back and listen to our top 10 films from um, you know, 2019, which we put exclusively on Patreon, they could find it there. Or like if they wanted to listen to our top five fantasy movie list, that's there. And you just click the top five button and then it shows you all of our top fives. And it's pretty good, if I do say so. So that's it. You know? I love it. Yeah. That feels like an episode, my friend. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, then, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends on Patreon, of course. Our support from the handlebar is always greatly appreciated. Uh, Nick Land, hey, man. 
Uh, thanks for hanging out. Um, and to you, Johnny Summers, what an episode. We, uh, we knocked out six hours of movie and um, cumulatively um, 15% of beer. So good work. Proud of us. You got anything else? I really enjoy what this podcast has made me do and watching all of the Best Picture nominees. What is this, our third year in a row that we've actually done it and that stuck with right. it? Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, that's the last thing then. Um, if you are on Patreon, um, or even if you're not and you want to join, we are doing a, a full prediction kind of thing um, of, of the Academy Awards, not just the Best Picture, but like everything. Um, so if you want to um, vote along, we have a download link on our website. You can download, a, uh, not a bracket, but a ballot. Yeah, uh, Fill it out and you can send it to us if you want, or you could just listen along. That'll be coming out this uh I don't know, Thursday or Friday, probably. Sometime before the Academy Awards this weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, yeah, watching those movies is great. Yeah. It made me watch things that I never would have, just like this podcast does. Mm, and, sure. and I love it. And it makes me feel like a reasonably informed movie critic. I think that's correct. It makes me happy. All right. Well, stay tuned for next week uh, or, or the week after, whenever we get back in your ear holes. Um, we don't know what we are drinking or watching yet, so it's a fun surprise. It's a mystery to all of us. <laughs> uh, but be well. Johnny? That's Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Remember, drink beers that make you happy, watch movies that make you think, and always, most importantly, be good to each other. We love you. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.